All right. Thank you, team. Well done today. The worship was really outstanding. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, I, I think Joel mentioned his prayer, but we welcome Dennis and Sharon Stauffer back, right back there. Sharon is wave at me. She's there. Thousands and thousands of miles in safety and prayers their way. Let's just welcome them right now. Could we do that? So glad. From their mission trip, multiple weeks in Canada and beyond. We're grateful for that. We're grateful for that. Next week, I would remind you again that as Outlink Sunday will be a real focus on missions here and afar around the world. We're excited about that. Today, we're beginning a, a series, a, a, a three-week series called Words Matter. That's really important to me. Words have always been a very big deal, and uh, uh, it always has. I, I recently am reading a book by Mark Batterson that's really inspired a lot of this, uh, some illustrations and things. But I'm going to talk about basically three words. I think his, the title of his book is Three Words That Change Everything. Really good. But I, I, I'm thinking about this a life verse for me. I, I love it. You have to look a little while in your, in your uh, Bible app to see the particular uh, translation maybe. But, but I did find this in one of the NIV uh, renditions because they change them from year to year. But I love this passage. And uh, I, I always ask, uh, I ask teens a lot I, and people I encounter, do you have the YouVerge Bible app? loaded down on your phone. Does anybody have the version phone? My next question is, do you open it? Do you use it? I hope you do. It's such a valuable, valuable tool. I open it repeatedly through the day. Found this verse in Luke 6, 45, and I want to read it slowly with great emphasis. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. We don't much like to talk about good and evil nowadays, but there is good and there's evil. Agreed? And the Bible addresses that head on. And here's what it says. The conclusion of those two contrasts, it says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Does anybody believe that? Has anybody told you something like this recently? Oh, I didn't mean what I said. I'm sorry. If you didn't mean it, you wouldn't have said it. If you said it, it's because you thought it, and it's because it came from your heart. Listen, everything you say comes from your heart. That's what the Bible is saying. So the whole gist of this is that we need to become better stewards of our words in matters great and small. I think Batterson maybe opened his book by saying something like this. He said, I want you to think about this, that words create worlds. I think he was implying that many times the world we live in is largely created by the, own, the words that we think and the words that we speak. We want to blame it on others, but I want to tell you it's what we do that makes a difference. So I'm suggesting that if you want to change your life, would you think about changing your words? And when I think of words, it's not just the word you use, but it's the tone of voice. It's the way that you say the words. Total difference. The Bible talks about that. It said, in the beginning, John 1, uh, 1, 3, in the beginning, there was the word. Of course, word has, has a capital W. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, capital, capital. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made by him. Nothing was made without him. The Bible says that things were made by the spoken Word of Almighty. Agreed? Now, in other words, words have the power to create worlds. And I don't think that's just true for Almighty God and his Son, but it's true for us as well. I... Uh, it seems like since the virus season, a lot of the drive-throughs where you go through for, for food, I mean, it's like they need to go to school on being polite. Have you ever experienced that? It's something like this. I, 
I mean, that's about how all sound systems, if somebody wants to get rich, invent a sound system for a drive-through that's simple, very that can be clear. I mean, I can't understand them. And a lot of times, I mean, the words they use, I will say there's a gal, I don't know who she is, but there's a gal in the north, Jimmy John's up there, and she said, they, they are a little slow sometime at crunch time, but I'm telling you, the way she treats you and the words she uses, she almost makes you glad that you're a customer there. So if you go through that, give her a shout, okay? But I thought about that, and I thought sometimes we don't like it by what we hear in the public serving us or some a cashier or somebody, they use, they use words that aren't polite or, or just they're rude. But I'm not, I'm not so much worried about them. I'm more worried about me. I'm worried about you. I'm worried about us. How do we respond to that? Because the pressure's really on when people don't treat us right. So I'm thinking, if I'm, if I'm at a restaurant and, and I don't like the server, they're not particularly nice, I'm thinking, and we th- Dixie and I are talking about this, we probably ought to trip them, tip, tip, the, trip them, tip, tip them an extra amount <laughs> because there's probably something going on in their life. Uh, I, I wish I had time to tell you. I won't, but, but we, there's a fresh, fresh story that's ongoing right now about somebody from another church, but Nazarene Church that was in town, and they were so kind to their server that was down and out, and things are continuing to happen just because they spoke a kind word and a prayer over so, a server who was hurting. Isn't that neat? I'll tell you the rest of the story later. It's still unfolding. It's really neat what's happening. Well, the Bible bears that out, and I've been reading in Proverbs like I've asked many of you to do, so one a day, so today, tonight, I'll read Proverbs 13 in addition to the other portions I read in the Bible. But I love this one. It's, it's so much of Proverbs about the words we speak after the first eight chapters about wisdom or nine. But 1821 of Proverbs says this, what you say can mean life or death. Let that sink in. Those who, oh, I like this. Those who speak with care will be rewarded. Oh, I like that line, don't you? Do you speak with care? I want you to take this personal. Please don't stiff arm or don't shove this onto somebody else. I want you to think, what difference can I make by the words that I speak? I'm asking this throughout this series. Are you a good steward of your words? I love that. I'm I'm getting some amens from my grandchild down there. Keep it up. I want to read it again. What you say can mean life or death. Those who speak with care will be rewarded. Okay, is this true? I believe it is. We talk about relationships with God and man here. Everything rises and falls in relationship. And I would say this I, with conviction. I've had time to think about it. If you want to change your relationships, change your words. Hmm? I want to tell you when there's conflict, words get nasty. They get biting. Don't say you didn't mean them because you were stressed or emotional. You meant them or you wouldn't have said them. You said them because they were in your heart. Did I say that before? I must tell, I'll embarrass them, but when my daughter Hillary went off to Olivet, we thought she was gonna marry somebody from Timbuktu and go west or north or something like that, but so happens that she came home and was home for a night of worship and she met someone named Tommy and they began dating and instead of her going there, he brought her here. So t- Tommy, I don't know if you've ever thanked you for that, but thank you for bringing Hillary here and keeping her at home. And I didn't know about old Tommy. He was a little rough cut in some ways when I first met him. You know, it's your daughter, your only daughter. Um, and I think, I think really, really, maybe till relatively fairly new Christian being discipled at that time. But one of the things that really touched my heart about him, who is now my son-in-law, was that somewhere along the line, his parents taught, the, taught him manners. And his pleas and thank yous were very, very evident. 
And he wasn't just putting on a show to get in the family because he still does that, and it means the world to me. And so I just want to say to all of us today that we need to go back. You know, there used to be book of manners and things like that were taught to kids. Well, our kids now are so rude many times, and, and that's a reflection on us, parents and grands, because we're not teaching. And I wonder if it's largely because we're not modeling it. I mean, we never get tired of saying, what do you say, please? What do you say? Thank you. And we need to keep that up. But they're going to take their greatest clues from the way they hear us talking from the words that they hear us use. So I want us to really think about that. So I believe it's possible to impact relationships by changing the words, not just the word you use, but by the tone of voice you use. So James, the book of James, talks a lot about the tongue, about the the mouth and the words matter. And it says in 3.9, it says, we use our tongues to praise our Lord and Father, but then we curse people. Whom God made for like himself. Praises and curses must come from the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, that's family language, and he's pleading, this should not happen. Other translations say this must not happen. Be good stewards of your words. So I'll say this to you boldly, that I believe that using negative words with a degree of frequency indicates what you're thinking, and what you're thinking will create your attitude, and words become self-fulfilling prophecies, not just for you, self-talk, but other talk as well. And I would say again, I'm not hitting it today, but, but one of the worst things we're guilty of is negative self-talk. The Bible says love your neighbor as yourself. Can you really love your neighbor if you're not loving yourself? How can you speak kindly to others if you're not really speaking kindly or thinking kindly of yourself? That's powerful. So when I was a youth pastor, I would do all kinds of of things and they didn't have cell phones to distract them like some of you are being distracted right now. But I would find illustrations and things to wake them up. I know you're on your you version. I apologize. But for example, if I was talking about the power of the tongue and James, I'd, I'd go out and get from the farmer and get a tongue. You ever, anybody seen how long a cow's tongue is? I mean, detached. Not just looking in their mouth, their slimy mouth. But I mean, that baby's long. And I just have the heart and go, here's what I want you to know. The, the heart and the tongue are connected. The tongue connects with the heart. In fact, the tongue is the highway of the heart. That's what I've been emphasizing. There's like a one-way street from the heart to the tongue through the mouth Let's take care. Let's use our words wisely. Words are powerful. I remember I use it most of my wedding ceremonies nowadays. Dr. Jim Deal, one of our general superintendents, now retired, but he said these are words that can can change relationships. He's talking about marriage, but he said, here's the words that you use. He called it 12 words. I've added to it, but he goes, I am sorry. Please forgive me. They get harder. I was wrong. You were right. I was doing this for a wedding not so long ago, and I had the couple actually repeat after me separately in their vows, and the gal in particular, and she knows who she is, she got choked up on that. She was going to bolt and run because she didn't want to say, you were right. She knows who she is. And then he said, don't forget the fifth one is this, I love you. And then finally, thank you for your input in my life. Words are powerful. Words are powerful. Um, We'll come back to the idea of parents. Uh, If you want to spend a miserable evening, spend it with kids that are poorly behaved, that don't know how to be polite and talk right to their parents and to grown-ups. 
You are doing your kids and grands a huge disservice if you don't teach them how to be polite and have manners and look at people, have icon, and talk properly to them. I want to tell you, because if you teach them, that'll open up, that'll soften hearts with bosses, with jobs, all the time. That never, do you know that's true? It makes a difference. We never get over that. So I just want to, I want to encourage you, if you've slacked off, to really go after that again. Well, so for this three-week series, I'm going to hit on three different words. Today, I'm going to focus on the word please, because I believe these words have the power to impact relationships, intimate relationships, correct mistakes, give direction, overcome trauma, find joy, change the atmosphere at a home, impact your work culture, win friends, and influence people, as the old popular book goes. So the first section I've just called pleasing in quotation marks. You can, you can, there's a lot of different t- tenses and ways to use that. But I want to say what I just alluded to about our kids and grands, that I believe that the word please can open doors because it softens hearts and opens hearts. Agreed? Um, words are the primary way that we communicate, and I know we do it with body language and all that too, but the best way to get your way in a good, way, in a good sense is to say please, to begin it with please. I like the word passionate, and I wrote that a passionate plead, please adds respect and integrity or urgency to a request. Listen to that. An authentic please means asking rather than demanding, and that changes everything. Because I want to tell you, there's something within the heart of people, I don't care what level, that makes them not want to do what they're told to do. But a please changes everything. And I want to leave this now because I don't want to forget it later, and I may come back to it. But I would suggest to you that if you're in a position of authority of any kind, you need to use more pleases than anybody else. Because... Authority is trumped by authenticity and by humility. All right, just think about that. So I'm suggesting today that I think we need a revival of politeness, and it begins in me. So many of our things that we make commitments to the Lord about, it's like, I'll do this if they do that. This isn't about that. It's about, Lord, I'll do this to please you and honor you no matter what they do or say. It doesn't matter because I want to hear your well done. I want, I want you to be proud of the way that I represent you. I remember, I can't remember who did it. Remember the old song, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. I've become a songwriter, lyricist. I've changed the words. Let there be please on earth and let it begin in me. Obedience starts within you, within your heart. And I'm suggesting again very strongly that please sets the tone for whatever follows. And it matters how you say it. I mean, I've heard people say, like, please, like exasperated. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. That changes everything that follows too, doesn't it? How you say please is a game changer. There's power in please. I read about a governor, reminded of Barney and the governor. I don't know if you ever saw that episode, but a governor, true story, I understand. A governor stopped to eat at a church chicken barbecue after a long and hot day on the campaign trail. Must have been a political move. I mean, why would you stop there? But he was hungry, so he stopped. Probably wanted to shake a few more hands. Well, he got in line, and he said to the server, he said, I'll have two pieces of chicken. The server replied, sorry. Only one per customer. 
Now, the governor was usually hospitable and humble and a patient man, but he was hot and hungry. So he said, do you know who I am? I'm the governor of this state. To which the server shot back at him. Do you know who I am? I'm the lady in charge of the chicken. Move along, mister. (laughs) He might have gotten two pieces if he would have just said please, huh? It only takes a simple please when you're dealing with somebody in relationship to level the playing field because, again, that's, that's that thing about I'm not going to use my authority over you. I'm going to use authenticity. I'm going to treat you. I'm going to dignify you and honor you with a please. I don't think anybody did that better than Jesus. I can't prove there aren't tons of Scripture quotes where it says, and Jesus said, please, da-da-da-da. But I've got to believe that Jesus said that very often because he was so polite and he had so manners because it was said of Jesus in Philippians 2, 5 to 7, instructing us, in your, life, you must, in your lives, you must think and act like Christ Jesus. Christ himself was like God in everything, but he did not think that being equal with God was something to be used For his own benefit, but he gave up his place with God and made himself nothing. He was born to be a man and became like a servant. Does anybody believe like me that Jesus had manners? That he treated people with value and and, and respect? I don't think he just gave orders. I don't know if he said, he said, peace be still. I don't think he said, please be still. Maybe not to the wind and the waves, but to people. So I just want to say that a simple please can make such a significant impact on others as you go about your day, loving God, loving people, living transformed. I mean, just doing that is a transformational aspect of our lives. I love one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, and I didn't have any for for the scripture screen, but I just went back to Romans 12 again this morning and looked at it, and and I was just pulling out just some phrases from that chapter, and it says basically, you're changed by the way you think, and I put by the way you speak. Couldn't that be true too? The way, because the way you speak comes from your thought process. Would you agree with that? Oh, say in verse three it says, don't think of yourself as better than you are. It says in another translation, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Uh, let's see. Nine says, don't pretend to love people, really love them. Fourteen Pray that God will bless them. Remember I talked, that's a cure for road rage and everything else. When you get bugged at somebody, start praying a blessing on them instead. And then it says in 16, I think, or 15, don't be proud. Enjoy the company of ordinary people. In other words, treat everybody the same. That's what this leveling device does. A simple please. Do you know what that really means when you humble yourself in that way? I think it says something like this. It's not about me. It's all about we. Eye to eye. Heart to heart. And how do you know that when somebody treats you that way, that you have a natural tendency to be nice and kind in response to them? I mean, you just have that inner, inner urge. I'm telling you, it's life changing. And you can, you can set the tone by your, what you initiate. Matthew 7, 12a, it connects here. In everything you do, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. So in other words, you initiate it. You start the ball rolling. You can change the encounter by how you approach them. That tired checkout person at Walmart, I don't think you can, I don't know about the automatic machines, you probably can't talk back to them. 
Although if I have a nasty attitude with Siri, sometimes she'll say, after all I've done for you. Have you ever had that happen, that response? Isn't that ridiculous? Makes me want to throw my phone in the river. John 15, 12, haven't done it yet. This is my commandment, not suggestion. It goes with what I read in Romans. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Wow. I'm telling you, I think God's honored when we use a pleasant tone and good words, when we're stewards of our, our words with people. And that might point people to him. So I would say my next section would be it's pleasing to others. I, I remember Rick Warren writing or saying a long time ago, years long ago when I heard him at a conference, he said something about it's not about you, it's about him and it's about them. Boy, is that still true or what? It's not about you. I read another story of the mother of Winston Churchill. Uh, she must have been something because he was something. He must have got it from her. But she had dinner with two prime ministers of, of Britain on back-to-back -back evenings. They had served for different periods of time. And one was William Gladstone and the other was Benjamin Disraeli. And so after the dinner, she was asked her impression of both and she replied, listen to this carefully. She said, when I left the dining room after sitting with Gladstone, I thought this, he was the cleverest man in England. In other words, he was probably full of himself. But after dining with Disraeli, she said, I left feeling that I was the cleverest woman in England. Disraeli once said beyond that, he said, talk to people about themselves and they'll listen to you for hours. Do you remember when I, a long time, I've read so much about this recently, but a long time ago I came across a passage when Jesus was, was separated from his parents and he was in the temple when they went back to find him and he said, didn't you know I must be about my father's business, his business with people. And what did he say he was doing? He was, list, he was asking questions, he was listening, and he was understanding. God's word has it right. Benjamin had it right in what he said. So I wanna ask you this, I, I think by our words and by simple words that I'm talking about by please, I'm asking you, does your interaction with people say, ta-da, here I am, it's all about me, or there you are, I'm here for you, it's all about you. Please tell me about you and yours. When I was a youth pastor, I, I'd take teens out one or a few at a time and I'd get them to talk and they'd shrug their shoulders, some of you know what I'm talking about, I'd go yeah, nah, whatever. But when I could get the right thing that was about them and their interests, they would open up like a flower. But I had to keep searching until I found something that they were interested in. What does your interaction say? I want to tell you that please is so important again because it, it focuses on others. It asks for permission and empowers them. I like that. What I'm trying to tell you today that words are gifts and I'm trying to tell you, have you ever thought about this? I don't think I've ever hit this in any of my stewardship series, but I'm including it today. When it comes to stewardship, I'm asking you, are you generous with your life-giving words? Whoa. I can't answer that, but probably your spouse can, your kids can, your work associate. Are you a steward of your words? Are you known to be generous with life-giving words? How many of you know that generous life-giving words can change an entire atmosphere? It can, it, can, it can take the tension out of a confrontation. It can, it can lift somebody up who feels downcast. I want to say it again. It levels the playing field. Powerful. Powerful. Have you ever considered just a question I ask you about being generous with your words? Can you think of anybody who's been generous with life-giving words to you, towards you? 
I guarantee you can. I guarantee you can go back. You can remember negative words spoken. And you can remember positive words spoken. Even when you were a child, those things still follow you. I so appreciated that about my parents. I've told you so many times about my neighbor, Mrs. Searfoss, and she, bless her heart, was challenged in many ways and so negative and hateful and angry. But my parents would never let us retaliate, according to her words. We had to say please and thank you and kind things to her, and I'm so thankful. That may have not done diddly squat for her, but I want to tell you that made a lasting impression on me, and I'm 67 until talking about it. And if that wasn't enough, they made us take, my mom made us take over a warm pie after she yelled at us and screamed at us. And that happened on regular occasions. Well, Matthew 25, 40 says, the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. My parents said, the other neighborhood kids may treat Mrs. Searfoss as the least of these, but to us, that's not because God values her. And when you speak to her, you're speaking, you're representing Jesus. Got it? You know what, I, how, how about this one? Think about this. So in other words, they were telling us to bless Mrs. Searfoss, regardless of how she spoke to us. And I've come to this conclusion that when you bless others, you're really blessing God. How do you know that God's a blesser? Huh? Do you know, go, go back and read Genesis. What did he do after he created man and said it was good? He blessed them and told them to be fruitful and multiply. That's what he did. Well, a me person, when I think about that, I think maybe somebody in a powerful position, maybe they're, they're a person that takes credit and shifts the blame, but a we person, they give credit and they take the blame. I think Jesus kind of did that, don't you? He had all authority, but he gave it up and became a servant of all. So I wrote it this way. A simple please turns a selfish me into a selfless we. You ought to write that down. Patty, write that down so I don't forget it, would you? I'm gonna publish a book of my sayings when I get old and retire. <laughs> I think so many times in relationship is gonna be my way or the highway, but... It's not really your way or my way. There's a better way, a higher way, the Jesus way. And it's this, it's only a win for me if it's a win for you. And I think if some of you adopt that mindset in your business dealings too, it'll revolutionize your transactions with each other. Agree? That's what we call a double win, a win-win. Treating people like they matter. And I'll say it again, the more power you have, the more pleases you need to be thinking and speaking. Well, I believe this is true of words. They open doors. A simple please can open a door. Come on, any, any, any dads or moms there, your, your babies have come to you or your grands have come to you and they say this most pathetic please and your heart just melts. Come on, has that ever happened with you? No, you're hard-hearted. You know it has. I read this story in 1964, Sidney Poitier. Anybody remember who he was? Great actor, dignified, handsome dude. He became the first black person to win an Academy Award for Best Actor. Sometime later, Denzel Washington was in a public speech and was reflecting on that and said of, of him, Portier, he said, he opened doors for all of us that had been closed for years. But here's the backstory. Sidney said, long ago before this award, my mother had taught me to be polite, to always say please and thank you. And think about the time that he was breaking through. He was a trailblazer. 
always to say please and thank you. He took her instruction to heart and later reflected, it was remarkable how many times please and thank you opened doors for me. So in response to Denzel, he would say, it was my mother that taught me that's what opened doors for you because she taught me how to open doors by being kind and courteous and polite. Isn't that good? Okay, catch me here. I think even with our pleases or our words, it's so common for us to try to knock doors now down. But I want to tell you there's a Jesus way that I want to suggest today to wrap around that I think is a much better approach. Here it is in Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Can you hear Jesus knocking? He didn't say, I, behold, I stand at the door and pound. We're pounders. Jesus was a knocker. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him, have a relationship with him, and he with me. That's relationship stuff. I've told you before, but one of my favorite pictures of Jesus that I remember seeing as a kid, and I noticed it long before I read about it, by English artist William Holman Hunt. Do you know where I'm going with the picture? It was a picture of Jesus standing outside of a door knocking. You can pull it up. It'd be appropriate if you're on your phone now to just pull up that picture and you can see what I'm talking about. Because I, I, wherever you were in your version Bible study there. But I noticed then when I, when I was a kid, Jesus was standing out there. He wasn't pounding, but there was no handle on the door outside. That means it could only be open for the inside, from the inside. So in other words, that's a picture that says Jesus gives you free will and he'll never violate that gift. Got it? He's saying, please, will you let me in? Will you let me into your heart? Will you let me into this situation? I can diffuse it. I can make a difference. I will change you, but I'll only come in if you open the door. I'm just knocking and saying, may I please come in? So I'll repeat another story. We were taught to be respectful. My mother was a word smith in particular. I'm so thankful for it. She'd correct us all the time, not just please and thank yous, but proper grammar and all of that. And if I would get upset, you know, we weren't supposed to show it outwardly. And so I can still see in Greentown the long hall, and I, I would pretend I would stomp down that hallway. You know how you just slam your feet down, but I would go to the motion, but then I'd touch softly because if they heard my feet slamming, I mean, that was death. And then to cap it off, if that wasn't enough, and it was a long hallway, I'd get to my room, and I would just slam the door as hard as I could, and at the last second, I'd make my knuckles war because I'd catch it just before it slammed. I, I did that, I promise you. You see, mine is not a happy story. We weren't allowed to be in our rooms alone with the door closed, except when we were changing clothes. We had to at least keep the door cracked, and so... I'd be in my room having a fit about something of major consequence that I cannot remember. And I'd hear my mother's soft skate padding down the hallway. Oh, I knew she was coming. I hated it. She had all the authority. I was her son to barge in. The door was open. She could see me or I'd hide behind the door or whatever out of sight. But she started knocking and she'd say, Nathan, please let me in. Now, you know, I'm not the brightest bulb in the packet necessarily. But I figured out after a while, she's not going to go away till I let her in. <laughs> she could have barged in, but she kept persistently knocking. And there wasn't one time that I didn't finally give in. And when I allowed her to come in, even though she could have with her own power and authority, there was always healing in the relationship. 
Isn't that a lot like Jesus? He's saying, some of you are here today or online. You don't have a relationship with him. He's, he's never going to quit knocking at your heart's door. You may get insensitive to it because of the persistent knock. But he's saying, please, he won't come in unless you open the door, swing it wide, and say, come in and live in my heart and life. Or you've just all but left him out of a circumstance you're in. And he's saying, I'm not going to override you, but, but will you please just open the door because I can make a difference He's not into knocking doors over, though he could. But he persistently says, please, may I come in? The Bible says in Matthew 7, 7, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Do what Jesus did. Be persistent. I love please because instead of making demands, it's a request. I love Matthew 7, 11 that says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And I, I think this is a Holy Spirit thing. I think the Holy Spirit in you can empower you to become better stewards of your words to make a difference starting today. I believe that with all my heart. And you know what else I believe? I believe that asking of God is a way of honoring him. I do. I, I believe he loves it. Just like a father or a mother do. When their child asks, them, asks something legitimate, they're honored that they trust them enough to ask. Well, I need to wrap it up by saying that I believe that words really matter. Is that coming through? Use them wisely. Steward your words wisely. And I'll say it again. Your words have moral implications. They're not just neutral. They can be used for good and they can be used for evil. So invest your words in a way that brings blessing to those who hear them and to those who are going to repeat them. Did I say this once or twice? The greater your position of authority, the more pleases you need to be using. So I would ask you, are your words life-giving to those closest to you in your home, your closest relationships, in those to those you'll never see again? Are you a cheerleader for others? That reminded me of this verse in Ephesians 4.29b. Let everything you say be good and helpful. How, how much? Did you catch that word? Everything. So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. I want to be a cheerleader of others, don't you? I want to speak life with expectation. Speak your words wisely. Don't label. Give others something to live up to. Careless words. I read a great story about a woman who visited a rabbi. I don't know if she was being called on the carpet, or, but she confessed in that setting to, to spreading negative things about another person, about gossiping. And the rabbi said, listen patiently. They said, okay, I want you to do two things that I believe will really change you. First, I want you to take feathers from a pillow in your home, and I want you to place a feather on every doorstep of every home in the community. Okay, she did it. Sometime later, she returned and said, rabbi, I've done that. What's the second thing that I must do? And he said, now, I want you to go and collect every feather you have placed on the doorstep. To this, she replied, that's impossible because the wind has already spread them far and wide. Yes, 
the rabbi responded. Together those feathers is as impossible as taking back the negative words you have spoken. Remember that before you speak in the future. How many of you think that's good advice? So I challenge you in these closing moments to take an honest inventory of your words. Maybe you need to ask somebody near and dear to you if you have trouble seeing it in yourself. But I ask you, are your words reconciling or dividing? Are they encouraging or discouraging? Are they helpful or hurtful? Are they a blessing or a curse? Are they demanding or are they pleasing? When I talked about God being a blesser who blesses, it could be that a blessing is the greatest longing of the human heart. Think about it. And that's not at a certain age. I mean, as grown-ups, we still long for a blessing. I mentioned earlier that God did that when he created man. And I'm specifically focusing on that word please, the way you say it, how often you say it. It takes the posture of humility with no hint of entitlement. It places a higher value on others and tends to create a culture of honor and respect and communication. It is simple. It can put others first. Think, I want you to think about that. Just by honoring somebody with a please, you can put them first. You can take away, you can diffuse defensiveness. Well, Luke 6.45c, once more. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Yes? Doesn't come out of thin air, out of vacuum. It travels from the highway of the heart. So let your words be pleasing that reflects your attitude. Let there be please on earth. Lord, let it begin in me. I was reminded this morning as I was going over my notes of my dad sitting on that piano that's now in Nate's office playing the only song I ever heard him play, sing it over again to me, wonderful words of life. I think there are more words. What did I jot down there? Let me more of their beauty see wonderful words of life that teach me faith and duty. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Hey, there isn't one person in the sound of my voice today online that will be watching this, has watched this, that this does not apply to. And I'll ask you again, are you a good steward of your words? Are you investing them wisely? Are you generous? Are you generous, especially to the least of these, with your words? I'm going to invite you to stand with me if you can, if you care to. And I'm going to pray as we conclude. Again, he's, he's knocking. Some of you have all but tried to ignore and run, run. I want to tell you the truth is in you. You will never outrun him. He is persistently standing, knocking. He will not force his way, and he's waiting for you to open the door. He's saying, please, please open the door. I want a relationship with you. Man, my prayer is that you won't just come and go, come and go, but you'll make that choice and let him make the change. That's a trip to the cross where you say, God, it's your way. It's all about you, what you've done. I confess, I repent, I turn for me, and I, I'm going to live for you. For those of us who have been walking with him and saying, Lord, I'm going to be a steward of those words. I, I'm going to change. I want to be an encouragement, a life speaker to those, no matter where they may be.
So, Father, I thank you for your help today. I thank you for the power of your word, truths that are implied. I thank you for all the, the Proverbs that are just full of managing the words we speak and giving good admonition. And may we take it to heart. And then maybe some of us that we need to put in reverse and make some things right and reconcile some harsh words spoken, whatever it may be. May we follow your Holy Spirit prompt, knowing that your spirit with living within us, if we've said yes to you, can empower us to make the change that we seem powerless to make on our own. I pray that even today we'll be sensitive to that, where we're eating, serving, that we'll become a cheerleader and a blesser of others to, to be in the image of God, to be, a, to, to, to be a blessing, to speak blessing in life to others. Thank you for the privilege that we have of being called your child, your children, to be in your family. Thank you that our identity can now be, I'm a child of God in you, and that is the lens through which we look through all of life, look at all of life. And I pray your greatest blessing on each one as we go out of here with a greater determination to represent you well. And I pray it confidently and expectantly that your Holy Spirit will continue to use the truth and apply it to our hearts. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, I would just remind you that, uh, that you've already experienced, don't forget on Oak Hill that they put three stop signs up there now. And I, I'm going to tell you, if you've gone north and gone out of there, you see people coming from West Hill direction, you know, to the west, just flying around that curve. I think that's good. There were several police cars there when I came in early this morning to, re, to enforce those stop signs. So if somebody, if one of the policemen enforced that on you because you did a rolling stop, just bless them and pray for them, okay? And thank them for watching out. But just be aware of that. Just be aware of that today. And I thank you. Thanks for your attentiveness. This is one you're going to have to chew on, but it's only as good as the life application you take from here. So please, please take it to heart. Amen? You're dismissed. You're free to go. Thank you so very much.